Hi, I'm Alison Heilixer, American psychotherapist living in Hong Kong. And I'm Heather Thorkelson, Canadian business coach living in Sweden. On Rethink the Couch, we delve into the inner dialogues that expats most commonly grapple with. Our podcast explores the mysterious psychological layers of what it means to be someone living abroad in a culture not our own. Our experiences, narratives, challenges, and ultimately, identities. Let's get started. The topic of today's podcast episode is, would you tell someone if you felt lonely? So Alison, as usual, I'm curious, why are we speaking about loneliness as an expat? What is it that you notice with the clients that you see, the expat clients that you see, and are they generally lonely? You know, Heather, when we think about the experience of being an expat, we think about it being endlessly thrilling, just a constant engagement with other people and places and experiences. And when we think about this, it's it's almost impossible to think about feeling lonely. The world is our oyster, right? Or at least people think it is when you're an expat. But really, the truth of being an expat is is often quite different than what people imagine it to be. So being an expat certainly can bring opportunities to engage with other people, other places, other experiences. And for those of us who stick around long enough to even wonder if we qualify as expats anymore, when we look at when we look in the proverbial, you know, rearview mirror, this engagement with novelty may be one of the reasons we chose to be expats in the first place. Mm-hmm. But when we think about right the potential engagement, whether it's short or long lived, does it hedge against our loneliness, the loneliness that we carried here in our suitcases, right? So if we came to a country feeling lonely, does that just kind of dissipate just because we land in a foreign land? And you know what, for some people I've seen the answer is yes, but for many people, you don't just land in a foreign country and the loneliness is diffused. In fact, some people I've noticed, right, when they're living abroad, they feel like they have to almost become this caricature of that engaged, stimulated expat I spoke to earlier. But when people think about, you know, that experience of being lonely, they often feel a sense of shame because they imagine that if they don't fit into that kind of caricature expat who's engaged all the time or really kind of living things up and, and going to different places, they feel almost like they've failed to, to live out the experience of being an expat and they feel that they haven't lived up to other people's expectations, right? So people just, again, tend to put a lot of pressure on themselves when they live abroad to be free of loneliness, feeling that they're just going to be constantly engaged with people of all different, you know, walks of life. But the reality is, it often takes a while to really kind of acclimate and to find your tribe, if ever abroad. Yeah, I'm definitely familiar with that feeling. So what do you notice is different about expats feeling lonely versus a non expat feeling lonely? What's unique to expat loneliness? So I guess as, you know, as expats, we often suck up our feelings, right? And tend to even act out in ways that mask our deepest feelings, which often does include loneliness. And I think it's it's interesting when I think about people, they're often thinking that if they share their loneliness, that other people, right, other professionals are going to just kind of pathologize their loneliness as some form of depression or some kind of adjustment disorder, 
Um, and often people feel like they have to kind of keep the loneliness to themselves because people at home or other expats may offer, you know, cheap hacks such as, you know, go out and just meet people or go out, see a doctor, get some pills and kind of make that feeling go away. And therefore, a lot of us actually, again, due to the shame and the judgment, act out with different behaviors to self-medicate this loneliness. So I see a lot of expats using drugs or drinking, engaging in high-risk sex, um, impulsively shopping, gambling, you name it, right? The, the self-medication of, of loneliness is probably nothing short of an epidemic, at least, you know, at this point, you know, in what we're seeing right now. And people really will do anything to try to mask this pain. Um, and a lot of people, what I see, Heather, when they come in the, the counseling room, and I, I sense that they're talking about loneliness, is they often don't even have the words to put around it. So some people have never actually felt as lonely in their life as when they became expats. And some people, again, just bury it with such shame that they, they just feel like they're almost um, unable to describe their experiences of being lonely. So I, I think, you know, if we think about like freedom as an expat, I think part of it is really kind of removing ourselves from certain obligations and connections with other people back home, right? It's often a, a time where we think about some evolution evolution in our identity, right? So do we really, you know, outside of the pandemic, choose to fly home for that one particular wedding that we don't really want to go for? Do we have to go to this event? Do we have to go to that thing? And it's interesting because a lot of people, again, are very they really feel the sense of freedom when they don't have to engage uh, in those activities that they, they normally would feel obligated to when at home. But when you're living abroad, it can really highlight that sense of, of feeling excluded and it can make it feel, especially right now, what we're living through during a pandemic, you know, really quite lonely not to be with people where we are ultimately close with. So I think, you know, striking the balance of excusing ourselves from certain experiences um, but also trying to engage with people back home is 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 a pretty tricky tightrope for most expats. And if we, you know, engage too much, then we feel like we're not engaging with the environment in front of us, which is, you know, the 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 country that we're living abroad in. But if we don't engage enough with people at home, then we feel like we're neglecting our roots and kind of, you know, unable to hedge against the feeling of loneliness we might feel in a foreign land. So it's, it's a difficult one to really reckon with for a lot of people because, again, if they engage too much with people at home, they feel like, you know, lonely in the place where they're existing now. But if they don't engage enough, they don't feel, you know, at least immediate relief from that, that really um, intense feeling that loneliness can bring. Yeah, I hear you completely. It's, it's a really interesting thing to grapple with that a lot of people don't realize until they move abroad and start to see like, oh, right, I'm sort of living two identities, you know, and certainly one of the things that I've experienced that has been a strange thing to deal with is that my, for example, my sisters, they live in Canada, they have always lived in Canada, and I have lived abroad. And I have all of these rich, wonderful experiences in communities that I consider home that I consider a part of me, friends and neighbors and everything that are hugely important to me, that not only do my nuclear family not know, they've never met these people, they've never been in these communities, but they can't possibly resonate at all with my experience. They don't know what rural Sweden is like. They don't know what the air smells like in South Africa and what it's like to go grocery shopping there. You know, like the day-to-day 
life and memories, the stories that I've been building of my life are not shared by some of the people who are, you know, closest to me as friends, but also biologically. And so there's, you know, it's like straddling those two worlds. It's a very strange thing, you know, it's a very, very odd thing. And I think that this topic of loneliness is so important to discuss because again, everyone experiences it differently and everyone experiences it, you know, to some degree or another. There is a disconnection, there is a loneliness, whether on one side or the other. There are these really sort of intimate narratives to grapple with and try to make sense of and be at peace with as part of the story of your life, even if you just move abroad once and for a couple of years. You know, it still, it still kind of interrupts the timeline of, let's say, what we would consider like a quote-unquote normal life if you stayed in one place, right? So that's a bit of an aside. <laughs> no, but it's, no, it's, it's a great, I think it's a great point, Heather, that, you know, everyone experiences it, but everyone experiences it differently, right? And that loneliness does crystallize differently for people living abroad, but I don't think any of us are, are ever fully free of it. No, no, I agree completely. Who would you say are the clients you see who experience loneliness the most profoundly? You know, I'm thinking back to a client I once had. And, you know, during the, the, the depths of his loneliness, this one particular client, um, he would send videos to his family and his friends back in Australia each week. And he would stage these adventures as, as a shield, really, against any potential questions of how he was truly feeling. So this was well before, you know, the pandemic, and he would really try to just send these videos so that people would leave him alone and not ask if he, he was feeling lonely or, or really, in, in fact, how he was feeling, right? Because he just tried to present this really um, exuberant picture of his time abroad. Um, and again, he really just tried to balance this connection with home, right? So still reaching out to his family in Australia, but again, portraying a very different image of, of the reality of, of living out in Hong Kong. And, you know, he would be sitting in these hotel rooms and he would, you know, take these recordings. Um, he would take these recordings from people's living rooms. He would do whatever he could to just make sure that the background wherever he was, looked very shiny. He would always have these very glamorous smiles on and he'd be waving to his family, again, pretty exuberantly. And, you know, when the camera was switched off, he would just drink himself to sleep every night. Oh. He would wake up, you know, in, in the middle of the night with his thoughts spiraling and he would just be knee deep in the depths of loneliness mm. um, for, for most of his existence in Hong Kong. And he eventually came to therapy with, you know, a pile of diagnoses, you know, he anxiety, depression, you know, you name it, he just had everything under the sun, substance abuse, I remember him telling me, you know, one therapist had, had diagnosed him with, and he was he was diagnosed away, right, and, and medicated away, he had a whole whole bag full of prescription medication to try to take these diagnoses away from him. But, you know, when we really got down to what was going on, we we realized that his real diagnosis was crippling anxiety or crippling loneliness, right? Mm. So it was the, the, the anxiety was really stemming from the deep, dark feeling of being alone mm -hmm. and just feeling that sense of loneliness. You know, he really did want to be home for his best friend's 
um, wedding in Australia. He wished that he was able to make friends in Hong Kong. He had been desperately trying to date and, and, and he hadn't met anyone. And he pulled, you know, he really felt like he had to put on his best face for his family at home and that he didn't want to feel like a failure in Hong Kong by not being able to connect with other people. And when you asked, you know, about the clients who generally experience loneliness, I, I'm really just reminded as I'm pulling up the story of this client that he isn't alone, right? Mm -hmm. And even this this story I've, I've met over and over again in the years I've been in the counseling room with people. And what's interesting, right, is just how many people believe that there are certain ways to hedge against loneliness. So I hear a lot that people, you know, who come to other countries already as part of a couple, so, you know, they're married or they're partnered with someone abroad, that that somehow hedges against loneliness um, and just allows people to feel this endless connection. But ironically, you know, when I'm thinking to your question about who experiences loneliness, um, I'm also reminded of some of the loneliest expat clients I've had are, are those who are actually in couples. And you think like, okay, how could that actually be? Mm -hmm. But I think when we think about, you know, being in a relationship, a lot of people, again, imagine that we're shielded against these human emotions of being lonely, right? Only to realize that actually sometimes being part of a couple when there's loss of respect or admiration or a disconnect in interest or there's not, you know, the love anymore, or maybe, you know, two people disagree about their experiences about living abroad, that can induce some of the darker feelings of, of really being lonely. And so if you think about even, you know, people who are as part of couples sometimes have to reckon with uh, being in a couple where they may end up divorced or separated abroad, which can bring about a whole sense of, of loneliness that's a different shade. So individuals I've seen many over the years, couples who are lonely, really the answer is any expat um, is at risk for this. And most of us just sadly, Heather, don't actually tell anyone. Mm -hmm. In fact, most of us, you know, don't even have words again as to, to put around it when we're thinking about our own selves. And we therefore don't tell anyone. The shame is too huge. The expectations are too huge. And we often just feel crippled and, and unable to actually do anything about it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I feel that very personally, actually, because I think in a prior episode, I talked a little bit about having moved abroad as a couple and then that relationship didn't make it. And it's, it's very much a case of what you're talking about here. And I, at the time, wouldn't have labeled it as loneliness. I think I just felt really lost and depressed but when I look at it, you know, outside of the emotions that were clouding me at the time, I look back on it and I'm like, yeah, of course it was. It was crippling loneliness because when we were living in Toronto, which is where we met and we're for the, you know, the bulk of our relationship was in Toronto. I, there was a lot more going on. I had a rich social life there. I mean, I'm an introvert, so <laughs> rich social life should be taken with a grain of salt. But, you know, like I had things going on. I had some friends. I had, you know, I was involved in a, a music group and things like that. And there was just more, you know, there was more richness to my life outside of my relationship. 
And when we moved abroad, it be, again, because I'm an introvert, because of where we were living, because I'm not one of those people who needs to be surrounded by a bunch of other human beings all the time, I just, my life got a little bit smaller, you know? And then because of that, and I'm sure many people who are listening will be like, oh my gosh, I know where she's going with this. Because of that, the disconnect in my relationship became so much more apparent to me, you know? And I suddenly realized, wow. I am really lonely in this relationship. We are not connecting. And in fact, we haven't been connecting for a long time. I just didn't see it when we were in our previous environment. And so I think that that's, you know, there's just so much that comes up when you're abroad. And again, like like I said at the beginning of this, I wouldn't have labeled it as loneliness at the time. I didn't realize it. I just felt so sad. I just felt a profound sadness and a profound sense of feeling lost and that I didn't know what next steps were. And so to your point of that, like, you know, not being able to recognize it in yourself, feeling a lot of shame, all those things, that all of those things were definitely elements that I was cycling through. And in retrospect, I wish that I had had someone like you to talk to about it, because <laughs> I think it would have helped me quite a bit instead of just spiraling down completely, you know, but luckily I'm in a better place now. And here we are having this podcast conversation about loneliness and expats. So I, I want to shift gears for a second and ask, uh, because obviously we're in the middle of a pretty serious pandemic right now that's affecting literally every human being in the world. And I would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, what are you seeing in your clinic? How has the pandemic changed expats experiences of feeling lonely recently? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, expat or not, the pandemic has, you know, touched people all over the planet. So in terms of the expats I'm seeing, you know, some are actually right now in the midst of the pandemic feeling this loneliness more intensely um, than I've ever seen as they can't actually go home, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people when they're living abroad, they, they're able to use their fantasies as a way to just kind of travel home and, and, and say to themselves, look, if I ever really want to go home, I will make that happen. And obviously a very privileged position to be in to, to actually make that happen when you're living abroad. But I would say that right now people even feel that traveling to their home country to be with their family or friends seems so futile that it's really highlighting the distance and really causing them to kind of reckon with, you know, where do they feel the most connected? Do they want to try to make efforts in the country where they're living abroad? Or do they actually accept that maybe they feel that their their true connections are, are only back home? You know, some feel also, Heather, that some of the plans that they thought were in place have been sharpened. So in other words, I'm seeing people where they're really having to reckon with, okay, what is this experience of being abroad about? Is it about connecting with people? Is it just about a work assignment? Is it about, you know, meeting a future spouse? Like, what is this experience really about? And, and what am I going to ultimately do about this loneliness? Again, do I go back to my home country? Is that an option? Do I want that? What are my connections really like there? Do I want to try to plant some seeds in the country where I'm living abroad? Is that possible? Do I need help with support in terms of trying to meet other people? Um, and I think that, you know, what I'm seeing also is because a lot of people are unable to go back to their home countries, I'm seeing people actually more 
um, in some ways, in, in, a, in a way that reduces the shame, speaking more out loud in communities about their sense of loneliness. And I think the pandemic, unfortunately, unfortunately, has given people permission in that way to say, yeah, you know, it's it's really tough sometimes living abroad and, and the pandemic is really bringing to light you know, some of these feelings that otherwise we felt like we just had to bury or, you know, they weren't okay to have because, you know, some exotic places were at our fingertips. But mm -hmm. I'm seeing the pandemic, Heather, really, you know, sharpen some of the existential questioning and also allow people to build community around the sense of loneliness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, you know, there's not a lot of good coming out of this situation, but certainly that more openness about these conversations about mental health, I've seen that as well. And I think that it's helped people, the non-expats have, I've found in my life, become a little bit more understanding of what it must mean to be an expat because, you know, they're like my family, again, for as an example, because I can only speak to my own my own world, you know, they look at me in Sweden, and normally I would have been back to Canada a couple of times during the time that the pandemic has been going on, but I can't. And my sister's kids are growing up, you know, like I'm missing these wonderful years where they're suddenly like two feet taller than the last time I saw them, and I don't know when I'm going to see them again. And so they're like, oh, wow, like, you know, this is really, like, they can suddenly sort of empathize with what it must be like to be me over here living this life in a different environment and not able to be a part of their life, you know, because there's this real and obvious barrier. It's just it's just interesting, like the whole dynamic has changed, you know, and I, I've certainly had a lot of conversations with people that I know, whether it's in Sweden or Hong Kong, you know, who are living abroad. And, and as you say, it's kind of just sharpening, like, what, why am I here? What do I want to be doing? What's really meaningful to me, and it's a really, really interesting time. It's a, it's a difficult time, but it's a very interesting time, and I think it allows for many of us to get very honest with ourselves as well. Yeah, and it's you know you also bring up a, a great point about you know how your family right in Canada might perceive you living abroad right now or in the past, and it is always very interesting to to gain those secondary reports of, of expats I work with, you know, so what do their friends, you know, in their home country imagine, right, that they're, that they're feeling right now that they're living abroad. And, and sometimes people, you know, tell me that their friends or family just assume that because in their home country, they were really extroverted or, you know, really socially connected, that that just perfectly maps onto an extroverted connected experience in you know, the country where they're living abroad, and it's often not a one-to-one, -one, yeah. right? Or mm -hmm. some people who, you know, um, struggled with feelings of loneliness may actually feel, again, a sense of freedom in, in their countries where they're living abroad. So it is quite interesting to, you know, think, what are, what are other people's perceptions of my experience? Do other people imagine that I could be lonely, right? Even if you have a million and one friends, um, or family members in your home country. And I think you're right, it is just an interesting time to open up the conversation about loneliness because the ones we assume to be the most lonely sometimes are just the opposite and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. So Heather, I guess, you know, I'm just wondering since you've lived in just so many different expat communities over the years, have you noticed anything, you know, that's different in these expat communities, or just surrounding the, the feelings of loneliness? 
I wouldn't say that there are differences between the different communities, but I would say that what has really become clear to me is that everyone experiences places and loneliness very differently. Uh, so to give you a sort of current example, here in Sweden, I'm a part of a bunch of, I mean, obviously we're not meeting in person, nor would I normally because I'm pretty introverted, but I'm, you know, I'm on these Facebook groups of Canadians in Sweden and, you know, expats in Sweden and all this kind of thing. And they're people from all over the world. And you, people regularly talk about not loneliness per se, but about their feelings of integrating into society and how easy or difficult that is. And um, that I really see what I'm experiencing here is the same, pretty much the same as what I've experienced everywhere, which is, you know, what introvert, extrovert, it doesn't really matter. What really matters is whether or not that individual is able to make meaningful connections in the place where they are. And some people really try hard to make meaningful connections and don't, and that really makes me sad, especially when they love the place. Other people don't try to make the meaningful connections and then they just feel lonely and they just wanna go home. So, you know, and I'm not saying one or the other is bad, it's just where we're coming from in our life, right? It's where it's what we bring with, our, with us, it's what our intentions are for the place that we're in. Are we planning to be here short-term? Are we planning to be here long-term? Do we really want to be a part of something here? And, you know, I've seen people in, in online forums and I've met people in real life in the past in other countries who are super extroverted and just really struggling because they can't make the connections that they crave. And then there's me, <laughs> super introvert. And if I have just a couple of really solid connections in a place, I'm really happy, you know? That loneliness kind of disappears and I just like existing in a, in a world that's outside of the one that I came from, which is Canada, you know? So it's, it's very personally specific, I, I feel, that experience. But the, the, the commonality of that feeling of loneliness is no matter whether you're trying or not trying or what have you or where you're coming from or what your intentions are for staying or going, if you're able to make those meaningful connections, that dramatically impacts how lonely you feel. And if you're not, yeah, it's, you know, that, that to me is sort of, in my experience, the common denominator. And there's so many different factors that come into play, right? And that's why no, no two people's experience is the same. And sometimes I see people, for example, in Sweden that complain about how closed off Swedish people are and like they can never break into friend groups here and like it's so much easier at home, da, da, da. And my experience has been the complete opposite. I found it very easy to become a part of social groups here and I felt very accepted by Swedish people. So again, it's not like one one person is right or one culture is a certain way and that's the only way that you're going to experience that, right? It's so individual. And that's why I think that it's so important when we're having these discussions to keep a really open mind and really hear the truth of what someone is experiencing and honoring that you know, and then trying to navigate through that for them, because there is no one experience, there is no one answer. But at the end of the day, we are human beings, we're wired for connection, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's the challenge is that so many people get stuck in other people's projections of how they should be as an expat, that they're too scared to tell the truth and for good reason about their loneliness. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Alison, thank you again for a really wonderful, rich conversation and for sharing your expertise with our listeners. As always, if you have any questions or comments, please go to the Rethink the Couch Facebook page and drop them there. We always love hearing from listeners. 
Don't forget to hit subscribe if you would like to get future episodes of Rethink the Couch. And we look forward to speaking to you next time, folks. Take care. Whether you're an expat, a couple living abroad, digital nomad, or were raised as a third culture kid, now in adult clothing, I offer a non-formulaic approach to therapy. Doing therapy for so many years has taught me that people are way too complex to fit into formulas or anything rigid. You want to hear more? Then head over to RethinkTheCouch.com to learn more about how we can work together.